Um, I have the distinct privilege of talking to you about, once I turn on the PowerPoint, of talking to you about lying. And uh, <laughs> the doors are locked, you cannot leave. <laughs> the first service survived. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to be talking about lying today because it is one of those acceptable sins in our um, society, but it's not so acceptable according to the Word of God, and we'll take a look at that. Um, so I'll start off this morning by telling you 13 reasons why we tell lies. Now, just because I'm giving you some reasons doesn't mean that it's acceptable. <laughs> but uh, sometimes if you have reasons, then you understand why you do what you do. Um, just like if you have a medical condition and you go get a diagnosis and then you understand the disease that's attacking your body, it's easier to stand against it, right? You can be proactive and do the things that you need to do to stand against it. Likewise, if you understand what motivates lying in your life, then you can stand against it. It gives us wisdom and gives us understanding. And so um, this, these 13 reasons are from a man. He's a University of Alabama, Birmingham psychiatry professor, Charles Ford. He's written a book. His, his book is entitled Lies, 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 The Psychology of Deceit. So actually, lying is deception, right? It's trying to deceive someone. And so he wrote it in the late 90s, and now it's been published uh, in Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and most recently in Russian, the Russian language, which tells me that lying is not just an American problem. That's a problem worldwide and that people have bought in to the concept of lying as a solution to their problems. But how many of you know lying is never a solution to your problem? It just forms a web that gets you deeper and deeper into whatever that problem is. The only solution to problems is the truth of the Word of God and action on that. And when you do that, then God brings truth and he brings healing. So we're going to take a look at some of them. Some of them may be very familiar. Some of them you probably haven't thought of before. Number one is we lie to avoid punishment. And this is something we start early as children. Um, and we lie to avoid punishment. No, I didn't eat the cookies. Um, no, I didn't hit my brother. Um, no, I didn't break the vase. And so all those things are things that we develop early on to avoid punishment, and we start those as children. Around our house, it was not me who did it. Um, so no, I didn't do it, not me did it. No, not me, I didn't do it. And so um, that's one of the reasons that we lie. And if you're in a situation where you feel like there'll be retribution uh, for something you may or may not have done, then we're tempted to lie, right? We're tempted to lie because of that. Number two is uh, lies. We lie to preserve our autonomy. And this you find among children and adolescents because somehow children and even adolescents think that parents have eyes in the back of their head. You know, I think we've used that on them some to, to instill the fear of God and the fear of mommy and daddy in them. Um, and so sometimes people lie as a sense of autonomy. If you lie and your parents don't know it, you know um, they really can't read your mind. In other words, if you can lie and get away from it, then you think, well, I really am free to do what I want to do and no one will know it. So you lie for autonomy. The third reason we lie is an act of aggression. Uh, this is when you deliberately lie to harm someone. Um, 
And when you think about that, you think about something awful, you know, that if you lie to harm someone and it's an act of aggression, that it's got to be something really, really awful. But what about the salesman who lies about the reliability or uh, the goodness of a product in order to sell the product and make a profit and a gain? Um, and that's an aggressive lie, a lie that, um, you know, is not founded in the truth and that is just for profit or for gain. So lies told by a salesman to a prospective customer can fit into this category. Uh, They're trying to get something by uh, truly aggressive lies, you know. When you have someone who offers you something and it seems too good to be true, whether it's um, a piece of real estate or whether it's a product and it's too good to be true, then it is. Too good to be true. (laughs) You're probably the uh, object of someone's aggressive lies. Number four, um, to obtain a sense of power. Uh, If you can lie and get away from it, you feel more powerful and you feel superior. And the more you lie and get away with it, the more powerful you feel and the more superior that you feel. Now, I know none of us intentionally do that, but sometimes in our marriage, this works. Um, the wife says to the husband, well, I didn't spend any money today. Um, It wasn't money, it was the credit card, right? (laughs) And so then you think, well, I can get by with this again. He didn't catch it, so I can get by with this again. Or the guy says, I'm working late, I have something to do, and he can get by with a lie if he's doing something outside the marriage that he doesn't need to be doing, whether it's having drinks with someone or whether it's um, Internet surfing. And so if you lie and, you, and you're successful at it, then you feel superior and you have more power and it makes you want to lie again. And those things aren't, um, those things aren't good. It's interesting that um, this type of lying um, is done by public figures and especially people who have large followings. And uh, you lie, so it gives you a sense of power. And if there's a group following you, you have to be really, really careful that you don't lie to that group, that you're totally 100% squeaky clean. Because if you lie and the group grows, then you'll want to lie again. And that's what we find in the lives of politicians. People like this, uh, once they become pretty adept at doing that, you can realize that they're doing it. And um, Larry and I have a saying between ourselves, he's a legend in his own mind. (laughs) And so the people who are good at it and and lie to gain favor and gain group uh, accessibility, uh, sometimes they're legends in their own mind. We have several political candidates who fit into that category during this time. You can hear them and you know that they're legend material in their own mind. So number five, and uh, this is... Uh, lies for the delight of putting one over. Uh, practical jokes come under this category, and uh, sometimes, unlike real humor that's funny, um, sometimes practical jokes uh, often contain underlying aggressive and hostility. Have you ever, don't raise your hand, uh, but have you ever played a practical joke on someone uh, just to really get them back and see them suffer a little bit? As I was preparing for this message, the Lord brought back to mind something that I did 40 years ago to someone. It was a practical joke, but I did it out of aggression and uh, hostility. And I said, Lord, you don't want me to share that, do you? (laughs) And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, share that. (laughs) 
And so here it goes. <laughs> You're not going to love me anyway, right? <laughs> uh, we were in a church, and another church, another uh, city, and there was this guy that uh, was uh, actively dominant, and uh, he was very opinionated, and, and he was hard to negotiate and navigate around, and all of us really felt like his thumb was always on us, and um, you know, we loved him and, and we respected him, but at the same time, I think within all of us, we had that little bit of hostility and aggression towards his dominance in our life. And so uh, we just rocked along, didn't do anything about it, but then uh, April Fool's Day came. And so, you know, that's a legitimate day to play a practical joke, okay? And so I thought to myself, I can do this. <laughs> You know, I can send a message to this guy about how uh, out of control he really is. <laughs> you know, he was so in control, and we were under control. And I said, I can do this. I can send a message to him. So I called his secretary. I can't believe I'm telling you all this. <laughs> I called his secretary, and I said, um, she didn't recognize my voice, didn't know me. And so I said, would you give a message to Mr. So-and-so and tell him he's to call this number, that there's a box that he needs to pick up. There's especially for him. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, I'll be glad to do that. I'll be glad to give him the message. And I said, well, thank you very much. And I hung up the phone and just giggled. And I thought, boom, I did it. And so the number that I gave her to give to him was the funeral home. So, yes, he did. He returned the call, and he said, um, I understand there's a box I'm supposed to pick up. <laughs> and he was just so humiliated. And to tell you the truth, I loved it. I mean, it was just, it was just payback time, you know? And so he had a hard time believing that any of us would have done that to him. And so he began to go down the list of who might have done that to us. And to tell you the truth, sweet Anne was really close to the bottom of the list. <laughs> and so when he asked me, I said, yes, I did it. And, of course, I said, but it's April Fool's Day. <laughs> but sometimes we use practical jokes and we play practical jokes on people just to let them know how we really feel, Right. And that is a lie. It's uh, putting the delight of putting one over on someone and making their life a little bit more visible than perhaps they know about. So number six is lies with wish fulfillment. Um, this is common among children, four to seven. Uh, often children will say something that's happened uh, just because they want it to happen very much. It can be, well, this summer my family went to Disneyland. And they didn't go to Disneyland. But a child wants it so much that they say that that's what happened, and that's not what really happened. Uh, sometimes uh, in a marriage when one of the members of the spouse, uh, one of the members of the marriage feels uh, unappreciated or um, they might wish that they were a little bit more appreciated and share uh, that something happened that didn't really happen. The lady might say, well, my sweetheart bought me a brand new car. And actually, she was the one that went down, picked out the car, signed the papers, and then said, honey, we bought a new car today. <laughs> but she says, my sweetheart, my husband bought me a new car today. Or the husband might say, uh, you know, my wife did so-and-so and so-and-so. My wife bought me a new boat today. 
And he's the one that went to Bass Pro Shop and picked it out and signed on the dotted line. But sometimes wish fulfillment, do you understand what I'm talking about? Wish fulfillment causes us to lie, to exaggerate the truth. And, and uh, it's really, really important that we tell the truth and that we look to God for the fulfillment of those things in our lives that make us happy. Number seven, lies to assist self-deception. These are lies we tell others to avoid confronting some painful truth about ourselves. Um, if you can get someone else to believe something about you, then maybe it truly is true. It really is true so that you can start to believe it and really uh, that it's true about you at some level. So uh, as we, we lie to people in order for them to uh, assist us in our self-deception about ourselves, and uh, if we get people to agree with us and believe in us and to begin to repeat the lie, it makes us feel better about ourselves. For instance, wealth. You know, if you go in and say, well, you know, I've got this great job and I make six figures and... Uh, you know, and of course, being a Christian, you'll say, and I just give God all the glory. Uh, <laughs> but you don't make six figures. If you put the two dots over for the the change, then you make less than six figures. But it's a stretch, and it, we lie to get people to agree with our self-deception about how important we are and who we are. Number eight is... Um, lies to manipulate the behavior of others. People lie and distort the truth to pursue their own needs and their own wishes. And so you can lie to manipulate people. Um, someone came to me after the service. I'd shared an example. and Someone came to me after the service and said, you know, we do this to our children all the time. We lie to manipulate their behavior. We say to them, if you don't take out the garbage before a certain time during the day, then the garbage monster will come out, uh, out of there and get you. Or that was the example that she used. I never used that. I figured Sam and Jamie were smarter than that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we do say things and try to manipulate people with lies. Um, for instance, if you're in a fight with someone or an argument with someone, if it's a teenager, they might say, well, I'm just going to go kill myself. Now, are they going to do that? No, they're just trying to manipulate you into backing off and giving them the space they want so that they can get out of the lie that they told you. And so manipulation is one of the things that we, one of the reasons that we tell lies. Number nine is this, lies to help another person. And while this might sound good, um, it's still not acceptable. It may be a lie, for instance, um, the people in Holland during World War II lied to protect the Jewish people that they were hiding. And they lied to the Nazis when they came and knocked on the door and said, you know, we don't have anyone here. And they lied to protect them. Um, it's also small lies to avoid hurting someone's feelings. Have you ever done that? Have you told a little, we call it a little white lie? There are no white lies and no black lies. They're just lies, right? They're just lies. And so you do something to hurt someone's feeling. Um, someone says, how do I look in this dress? Then you say, oh, great, <laughs> you look great. And there are ways that you can learn to get around that um, just by asking. Uh, Jesus was a master at it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees would come to him and ask him a question, and he would answer that question with a question. 
So instead of lying and saying, you look great in that dress, when the person looks dog ugly, <laughs> then you can say, then you can say, okay, um, how do you feel in it? Does it make you happy? And they say, yeah, it makes me happy. And then you say, well, it makes me happy too. <laughs> and you haven't lied because if they're happy, you're happy, right? So number 10. Lies to accommodate others' self-deception. People want to hold on, want to be told what they want to hear. Did you know that? Uh, people don't want to know the truth so much of the time. They just want you to lie to them to reinforce the self-deception that they're in. And that's really hard. It's really hard for me as a counselor. Um, I have to discern, and I've made so many mistakes. People come in for counseling, and I think they want the truth. And they don't want the truth. What they want me to do is reinforce their self-deception and tell them a lie. And uh, I've just really had to learn to watch out for that and learn that that's not the way to ever really help anyone, that the truth helps. Um, sometimes if you tell the people the truth, they never come back. Um, but that's what you have to do in order to be faithful to yourself. So um, politicians are great at this. Evangelical ministers are great at this because many times they tell people what they want to hear and to reinforce their own self-deception. And so we as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't tell people, well, if you accept Jesus, everything will be all right. That's what they want to hear in order to make that decision to walk down the aisle. But if you tell them that, you must qualify it with a fact that everything will be all right eternally and everything will be all right as you walk through it. But there, this will not eliminate every problem in your life. How many of you know sometimes your problems don't start until you're born again, <laughs> until you're a Christian? <laughs> and then the devil sends all of his uh, agents to try to distract you and to hurt you. So, number 11, lies to resolve uh, as a solution to role conflict. Uh, now, this is an interesting, but sometimes when you're under pressure to fulfill a role in your life, whether it's at the job or in, or in the home, um, you tell a lie to resolve the conflict with that role or position that, you, that you're in. Uh, Larry and I had a young man come to us a number of years ago, and he said, well, you know, God's just blessed me with this great new job, and I thought I was going to love it, and it's going to be a great job for me, and it's a sales job, but my boss called me in, and he wants me to give alcohol uh, to potential clients, and he wants me to take them to restaurants and wine them and dine them and get them to sign on the dotted line. And he said, I don't know what to do. He said, I'm a Christian, and I don't believe in that. I don't believe in deceiving people. I don't believe in drinking. And I don't like going to bars and getting people drunk so they'll buy thousands of dollars worth of equipment from you. And um, so we, he said, I thought the Lord gave me this job, but he said, the role that my boss is asking me to play, I can't do it in faith. And so we said to him, we will pray with you and agree with you, but don't compromise don't compromise the truth. Don't compromise who you are in Christ. And if you lose the job, then God will give you a better job. And so that's what he did. He went into his boss and he said, you know, I can't play this role. I can't do this. This is contrary to my uh, faith and what I believe in. And so his boss says, well, you're out of here. He, his boss said, you're stupid. Um, he said, to walk away from a job like this, this is as lucrative as this one is, you're stupid. 
And um, the young man said, well, I may be stupid, but I'm going with God. And it was just a few days later that he got a fantastic job, better than the one that he lost, because he maintained his integrity. And he didn't live the lie in order to fulfill the role. So we've all been there, right? I mean, in marriages, in marriages, sometimes we've compromised in order to fulfill the role that we felt was accepted of us or, um, or that we were um, expected to be and do. And so you can only live a compromised life for so long before you get out of that compromise. And so um, we were thrilled. That young man, uh, God blessed him so much because he made his stand. So number 11, lies to maintain self-esteem. People with low self-esteem often experience a sense of failure and inferiority because their abilities and accomplishments fall short of their personal expectations. And so they lie. If you feel a little bit inferior, then you lie. Uh, You may lie about how much you weigh. You may lie about how tall you are. Um, Men tend to lie about their athletic ability and their military service, the things that make them more masculine in their own eyes. And women tend to lie about relationships. We identify with people that we want to be like, and we lie about them being our best friend when we see them maybe once a year. You all are quiet. (laughs) You're really quiet, but we do that. We uh, maintain our self-esteem sometimes by lying and um, and, uh, believing that lie will make us feel better about ourselves. And we need to just be honest with where we are in our relationships, and if they need improvement, uh, God is a great counselor. And he's the one that can help you, and he can, he's the one that can improve your relationships. Okay, number 13, lies to create a sense of identity. Um, these are lies that people, people do in a certain way. If they perceive you a certain way, then they will treat you a certain way, and you'll feel more comfortable in particular in that role or that identity. Um, this is... Um, can be pathological, which means it's a serious lying problem, or it can be manipulative, uh, but it can also be healthy. Uh, professional people need to behave in a certain way so that people seek their services while feeling that they are being well cared for. Sometimes sometimes it, it requires you to dress a certain way or to act a certain way if you're in a certain profession. For instance, you can wear your flip-flops and your shorts and your T-shirt if you're a banker when you're at home. But if you go into the office, you have a white shirt, a coat, a tie, and your wingtips on. And uh, that's a healthy perception because people know in their heart that you don't really go to sleep like that. That you're, you're, when you're at home, you're yourself. But then there are other people who dress or act in a certain way to create a sense of identity. The lady, for instance, who carries the most expensive $500 bag. Uh, when she didn't make the mortgage payment this month is someone who's lying because it's a false front. It's a handbag that cost $500 instead of paying the payment. And you see how we lie? We lie by actions as well as by words. And y'all are quiet again, so aren't you glad that 13 are over? Yeah, go buy the book. Yeah. (laughs) So... Sometimes it helps to talk about it, and that's te- technically what we just did. We talked about lying, 
And we talked about why we do it and how we do it and how it makes us feel. And now you can openly go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I've just been fudging a little bit. And uh, actually, I've been fudging a lot, and I've been saying things uh, when I really need to go to you for my self-esteem. And I need to go to you for what I believe in myself. I don't have to make myself better than I am. Um, and I don't have to put other people down to feel better about myself. You know, that's another form of lying, uh, particularly with self-esteem, is where you put other people down um, because your self-esteem is so rotten that you feel like other people have to be less in order for you to be more. And that's just a lie from the devil. It's not the truth at all. See, self-esteem is how you esteem yourself. Not how other people esteem you, but how you esteem yourself. And that's a good thing. Well, I found this, uh, I I love this thing that I'm about to show you. Uh, It's really simple, and it says this. A murderer will kill you, a thief will steal from you, but you'll never know where you stand with a liar. Boom. (laughs) So we don't want to be subject to a liar, neither do we want to be a liar. Um, you um, You know where you stand with a murderer. And you know where you stand with the thief. But we need to be wise. God gives us gifts of discernment and wisdom so that we don't fall prey to people who are deceptive and who are only trying to steal from us those things, that truth that God has given us. Um, So I put this in a nutshell that we just talked about, and this is what I came up with. A liar is after your reality. A liar is after your reality. What's real in your life, a liar is after that in order for gain. So when it applies to us, let's not be reality stealers. Let's not do that. Let's not steal people's reality. Let's uh, walk in the truth of the Word of God. So uh, as I begin to study this, there are so many scriptures about lying and lies in the Word of God. Now I knew it. But I had no idea until I printed out a stack this big of scripture references on lying and lies. Um, There are a lot in the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. And they're very direct and very succinct. You can read those and they speak for themselves. And um, a lot in the book of Psalms and Proverbs. There, there's a lot in the prophets, the old, uh, the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and the minor prophets like Habakkuk and Micah, as Brother Day was quoting from this morning, Micah. And there's a lot in the uh, book of the prophets about uh, lying prophets. People who claim to represent God, and they are lying because they misrepresent the character of God. And see, that's a bad thing about a lie. Usually when you tell a lie, you're either misrepresenting your character or the character of the person that you're telling the lie about. And so that uh, the Lord dealt strongly with that and with the prophets, his prophets, in the major and minor prophets' books um, because um, he didn't appreciate or didn't like um, those prophets that were lying and misrepresenting him to the people of Israel. So there were so many scriptures, so you'll be glad to know that I'm not going to go over every one of them today, but I've chosen three. I've chosen three major scriptures that I feel will be very impacting in our study today. And the first one is in Proverbs 6, and it's uh, verse... Whoops. Proverbs 6, and it's verses 16 through 19, and this is in the New Living Translation. 
It says there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Wow. Did you know there are things that the Lord hates? You know, sometimes we think the Lord hates us, and that's so far from the truth because he loves us. I mean, he loves us with an everlasting love. But there are some things that really hack God off. There are six things that he hates, yes, seven things that he detests. So let's look and see what those are. First one is haughty eyes. Those are eyes that judge and look and in their own pride put other people down. Haughty eyes. God hates that. He detests that. The second thing is a lying tongue. A lying tongue. God hates that. He detests that. So even though the world might say it's okay to tell a lie if you need to, it's okay to tell a white lie and not to hurt someone's feelings, or it's okay if you tell partial truth. Have you heard of partial truth? That's kind of out there in the world. There's no partial truth. It's either truth or it's a lie. Amen? No partial truth, truth or a lie. So it says that God hates a lying tongue. God hates hands that kill the innocent. God hates hands that kill the innocent. That's the innocent person that you would take their life, or it's the unborn child. If you ever needed a scripture against abortion, this is it. God hates those who take the light and hates the hands that kill the innocent. Now, there's forgiveness, there's restoration. We've talked about that before. But um, that's not God's plan. What's happening in America and in the world is not God's plan because his hands, he is, does not like hands that kill the innocent. A heart that plots evil, a heart that sits around thinking about, well, how can I do this or how can I do that or how can I get back at this person? He hates feet that race to do wrong. You'll notice it says race to do wrong. Those are people who without hesitation run to do what's wrong. And there are people like that, right? And you think, how do they not get it? How do they not know that this is not the right thing to do? Then again, it says a false witness who pours out lies. A person who sows discord in family. And a person who sows discord in family, you know, that's probably a good thing to mention since Thanksgiving's coming. And all the family's coming. And there's going to be someone showing up at your house or the house that you go to that's going to sow discord with the family during that family gathering. And God, you know, we think, well, it's okay. Just give grace. You know, the Word of God says that God hates that. God hates discord. And it applies not only to the family in the natural, but to the family of God in this church. If you're a church member in your church, if you're visiting today or you're a church member here, uh, anywhere, if you sow discord in, in the family of God, God doesn't smile lightly at that. It's not just your flesh working. It's something that God really hates because he loves peace, he loves unity, and he loves people loving other people. Amen? So let's go back. Of these seven things, there are two of them that pertain to lying. In the very beginning, it says a lying tongue, and then at the very end, it says a false witness who pours out lies. And so two of the seven things that God detests have to do with lying. So we as the body of Christ, we don't need to make it an acceptable sin in our life, do we? Let's don't make it acceptable sins because it's not acceptable to God. He does not like that. 
The next scripture, that was in the Old Testament. The next scripture I'd like to share is in the New Testament. It's in John 8, 42 through 44. And uh, to set the context for this, Jesus has just forgiven the woman caught in adultery. He said to her, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. And then he continues to have a debate later on with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he begins to talk to them about truth and about hearing the truth and walking the truth. And they're arguing with him. And they begin to say that Abraham is our father, implying that, Jesus, you're the man without a father. You're the illegitimate son of Mary. And uh, they're really ragging on him. And And he tries to share with them the truth, and they can't hear it. And so then you get the scripture that we often quote, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's even on the government buildings in Washington, D.C., and you even hear politicians quote it. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, the second part of that verse says, if you abide in my word, because the word of God is the truth that sets you free. Not just your perceived or your ideological truth, or what someone said was truth, but it's the word of God that's the truth that sets you free. So we move down now to verse 42, and this is what it says. And Jesus told them, If God were your father, you would love me, because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. How many of you know if you can't hear someone, you can't understand what their heart is trying to say? And that's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. For you are the children of your father, the devil. Boom. (laughs) Jesus, the God of love, is getting pretty strong here. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So see, Jesus is saying that if we are a liar, then we're acting like our father, the devil, as we perpetuate lies and as we we just walk in deception. Whatever the reason, whatever the cause. And that's not the right daddy, right? You've got to have your daddy who always tells the truth and who always perceives the truth and wisdom, and he always honors people and walks in the truth. So the final scripture I have for you today is this. Um, I've said, don't do things that God hates and detest. Um, don't lie like Satan, who is the father of liars. And the final thing is this. It's in 1 Peter 3.10. It says, for the scriptures say... If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. I thought that was so profound for many reasons. First of all, Peter, remember Peter? And what did Peter do? He lied. I mean, at Jesus' crucial moment in the Garden of Gethsemane and afterwards when he was taken out, because of fear and because, you know, he wasn't willing to be identified with someone who was about to be killed for what he stood for, he lied. He said, I tell you, I don't know the man. And the third time he said it, the rooster crowed, and he remembered what Jesus had told him, you will deny me three times and um, before the day is over. And so um, Peter knew what it was to be a liar, 
He knew what it was to lie so hard and with such intensity that it says, the scripture says he cursed and lied. Now, that's not just a gentle little lie. That's a cursing lie. Like, I tell you, why don't you hear me? Let me make it bolder. And so Peter was a liar. But you know what? When the power of the Holy Spirit came on Peter and his life changed, um, he stood up on the day of Pentecost and he, he ministered and he spoke to thousands. And they came into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time. Um, how wonderful that God would take a liar who had denied him and use him as an instrument to establish the church of God. So if this has been a little bit of a sting for you today, if if I've really messed with your um, personal life, then I don't apologize because I think as one of the shepherds of this church, it's our responsibility to clean the sheep. And if you've got cooties, we need to pick them off. If you got lying cooties, we need to pick them off and to help you see what the Word of God says concerning that. But the other thing I would want you to know today is this, that if this has touched you today and in your heart of hearts you said, oh my goodness, I am such a liar, then remember Peter and remember the fact that no matter where you are, God can get you to where you need to be and he can use you greatly in his kingdom if you're willing to change and to repent. So Peter said... For the scriptures say, uh, if you want to enjoy life and see happy days, not give your tithes, not teach Sunday school, not do all the things that we think will earn us brownie points in the kingdom of God. But he says, look, if you want to enjoy life and be happy, don't lie. If you want to enjoy life and be happy, don't lie. Someone's turning out the lights on me. Um, Don't lie. Uh, don't speak, keep your time from speaking evil on your lips from telling lies. And so those are good words. Was that a good word today? Yes. yes. So are you mildly hurt but not damaged permanently? <laughs> Let's stand to our feet.